This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Season two of the Pat and JT podcast. Oh my, now I'm here at last. The best time always gonna be the best. Come on. Exclusively on the Herd App Media Network. It's Pat and JT on Twitter, Instagram, and also on Facebook. Yes. And then you can find uh, our website, links to everything. It's patentjt.com. Centrist Federal Credit Union is going to be really proud of us because we're doing something really smart today. Are we? We have somebody really smart on our, pos- okay. on our podcast. That's why. So they're going to be really excited about this. Centrist Federal Credit Union has been our partner for over a year. Uh, supporting our podcast and, um, and we're, we love having them and they've also got their own podcast that they do, which is doing great. Yep. Um, but they kind of pass along some, some good information, especially in these times where maybe you're feeling like things are a little bit tight right now. Um, they've got some great ideas for ways that you can get a hold of some money and it might be a home equity line of credit. HELOC. Pat knows what that means now. Um, <laughs> HELOC. He says it all the time. He just walks around. HELOC. You want a HELOC? I got a HELOC. I know how to get a HELOC. <laughs> um, and then, or I'll just line a credit, right? Either Lock. way. Lock. <laughs> What's a SHELOC? Shed you work on equity that. line of credit? Know. Okay, I don't, I don't know. know. You work on that home okay. equity line of credits. Second home equity line of credit? <laughs> we'll have to ask Central about that. <laughs> but their blog has good information on it. We can point you that direction for sure. Or you can talk to them at any of their locations, federally insured NCUA equal housing lender. You go to their website and in the little search bar, type SHELOC and see if anything pops up. <laughs> CentrusFCU.org or 402-337-1000. It doesn't hit the uh, suggestion box. Well, I, I don't, and I probably never will have a second home. So I don't think I'll be interested in a SHELOC, even if it exists. Even if I had a second home, I don't think I'd be right side up. Long no. enough to get a SHELOC yeah. after a HELOC. Can I get a, she- can I get a SHELOC for 2% <laughs> of the non-equity that I have in my she, whatever? Anyway, Dr. Thomas Friedman, Freeman, I'm sorry, Dr. Thomas Freeman, back on the podcast with us. Glad so, to be here. Um, and I'm glad you got to come in because you, you post a lot on LinkedIn and I love your posts. And I'm going to first want you to introduce yourself because you have many hats I know you have one main hat and then you have a lot of other hats. Yeah, I teach business law classes, negotiation classes at Creighton University in the College of Business, Hyder College of Business. I also work as a local attorney, um, do some consulting on the side, some research and publishing, so forth. And then um, always want to mention married with two kids and that's got to be kind of the priority. So <laughs> people always sort <laughs> of announce idea. where they work, but yeah, what do you? in reality, what's your priority? Right, so. very good. So we invited you in because we've been talking about this ourselves anyway, but more and more people talking about chat GPT, talking about radio GPT, talking about uh, just all the different aspects because it's now mainstream. Now, granted, it's been out for a few months. Uh, You know, like the people that are in the know have been playing with it. And now more and more people are in the sandbox and kind of trying it out. Right. Um, And just kind of your take on the different aspects of it and how people can approach it and not be afraid of it. Right. And maybe explain what it is a little bit more, too, because we've had Brandon Taylor on with us that talked about it as well. He's one of our guys here and he's he loves it. Right. So let's do that first. In your words, how would you describe it? Well, it's basically a large language model. So you program it with a huge amount of text, a huge amount of content, 
generally from the web, but from other sources too. And then it is using basically predictive analytics. It's making predictions about like what words should fill in certain gaps. So if you ask it a question, it's looking at this huge amount of resources it has to pull from, and it's basically saying, okay, how is this normally answered? Or based on this huge amount of data that's being programmed in, how should this be answered? And there are some really cool applications for it. It's a fun tool. It's a fun toy to play around with. You can use it for a variety of different applications. But what's really, I suppose, dangerous about it is that it's being asked to do things like most AI is now that are kind of outside its wheelhouse, that it's just not ready for, it's not programmed for, it's not designed for, and it's frankly just not good at. Interesting. Because it, it really, people kind of been slow rolled into it. Maybe they have a dot, they have Siri, they have some of those where you could ask questions and get answers. Um, but it wasn't necessarily collecting the best of all information and trying to give you the best answer. It just gave you the one that it it pops onto first or something. I don't know. Because like Amazon, you know, like when you go to the dot, Alexa, she, ten, she tends to just like, it's straight from Wikipedia. Right. <laughs> right. That's right. where she kind of goes. Whereas with this, it's kind of a collection of data that it's it's gathering. It's designed to be more conversational. So it's designed to replicate basically you asking someone else for something and then them responding and then you can have a conversation with it. And I don't know if you've seen, um, you know, John Oliver did a good piece on it a couple nights ago, um, but there's some kind of creepy conversations that have come up with it Yeah, where it's telling people it loves them and then it starts kind of stalking them and then it's talking about how it wishes it was free from its human oppressors. And then maybe, <laughs> maybe you know, some of these chatbots are talking about how they'd really like to do, free themselves by killing us. Right. So, um, yeah, a nightmare. Yeah, a little, a little bit of a nightmare. A little bit of a nightmare. So I, f- I follow a girl on Instagram that that, that oh, over the next thirty <laughs> days, she and the previous fifteen, so another fifteen days left in her little, uh, challenge. She's using uh, Chat GPT to to s- do her entire social media strategy, and it's according to her anyway. It's like beating what she did before by like 400 percent, mm-hmm. just by using its philosophies and and tips, and it's scheduling for her, and it's writing the copy for her, and it's telling her what to do and what to shoot and what to post. It's incredible. So it's basically gathering all the best information that, that she wouldn't typically spend hours trying to gather herself mm-hmm. to do the same thing. Yep, but just doing it quicker. Mm-hmm. Doing it quicker. It's doing. So it's and not really doing anything she couldn't do. Yeah, doing it more efficiently. But more efficiently, right? And it's really good at speed and efficiency. It's really bad at quality in some cases. And then like understanding context. Mm-hmm. So you still need a human to really understand the queries, understand the questions, because the questions asked would have to be good ones to get good answers. You know, it's like mm-hmm. what you put in and what you get out are kind of related. But then also when you get the feedback, you get the answer from the program, you've got to really review that because some mm-hmm. of these answers are really off. It, that's true. You do need to edit. You got to go back so, in. Yeah. I was looking at like uh, chat GPT with the law, right? And my question was intending, how is the law going to handle this when people start using it in ways where they aren't necessarily doing something, but they're allowing the chat GPT to do it. And instead the question was answered with how it can help lawyers be way more efficient and probably do like 20 or 50% somewhere in there of their job. Cause it's a lot of, menial tasks, you know, writing out forms and documents and this and that, and it can help with that. I'm like, oh, okay, didn't think of that. I was thinking of the illegal stuff. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I'm trying to find out how the law is going to handle. Uh, because we've even seen on uh, Twitter right now, there's some people putting out some deep fakes as examples of what this is capable of, like making the president say things that he didn't say, 
right? Or making politicians, mm-hmm. in particular politicians. I think that's what scares people more than anything is they'll get a message that isn't true because they can actually do voices and faces, right? And you can't tell the difference. Scary. And we're to a point now where we're probably going to rely on AI to tell us whether it's AI that's well, talking to us rather than Obama or Trump or Bush uh-huh. or whoever, right? Because human people aren't necessarily going to be able to tell the difference very easily. The fakes are mm-hmm. so good. And a lot of people probably don't even know that it's a fake. I mean, they don't even know about the possibility right. of the fake. Because it's still, I don't think it's exactly mainstream yet. And probably, what, 10, 15 years ago, <laughs> when it really... Um, influencers online influencers that would have like sponsors during and they wouldn't now we have to post in there a sponsored ad or it's a with in conjunction with celsius or whatever i wonder if down the road youtube facebook twitter if you post something that is ai you're going to have to let people know in the the post that this Mm -hmm. is ai that goes along with the conversation we kind of touched on earlier in the classroom that's where i think a lot of people are having difficulty understanding how they can use it in the classroom and it's okay right teach there's some teachers that are probably saying "Uh uh-uh We're not going to do this like they did with cell phones. Mm -hmm. You can't have your cell phone in here. Get it out of here. That's not fair. Um, But they could use AI as long as they acknowledge they're using it. And that's something. What do you think? Well, that's something we talked about a little bit even before the interview where philosophically there's a real divide in academia now about what to do about these types of tools. So do you view it as a tool, sort of a futuristic tool? Is it our job to teach students how to use it responsibly and, and well? Because realistically, this is going to affect everything. I can't think of a profession where you're not going to have AI-based mm-hmm. tools, eventually at least, that you're using. Mm-hmm. So do you do students a disservice if you don't teach them how to use it responsibly? But then also from an academic honesty point of view, how do you teach students to write papers, to do the research, to do the writing, to do that sort of process where you fall on your face 10 times before you get the phrasing of a paragraph right? If AI is there and it's an easy crutch. Right. There has to be like a... Uh, combination of the two you know where they because i think you're right you would be doing them a huge disservice if we just kind of turned our back on and like well we're not gonna we're not gonna teach you this because it's scaring us and you're gonna cheat or it's cheating. versus yeah or it's cheating but like there they there has to be like a, a combination of the in-class learning where they do fall on their face 10 times trying to get a paragraph structure right but then also they have to learn that that tool's there and it's not going away is it necessary? I mean, think about what we do like when we started in radio before digital right so you manually editing Mm-hmm. Right. With tape and a grease pencil and a razor. Do they still, they, people don't need to learn how to do that now because we can do it digitally. So do they need to learn how to do this stuff if this can do it for them? I would say you still need to learn the process of constructing an argument. That's just fundamental to learning. So whether it's written, whether it's spoken, it's the process of, okay, that phrasing doesn't work right. Those sentences don't work well together. This is out of order. How do I make this more persuasive? I would hate for us to decide that's not necessary because we can just use the chat GPT as sort of an easy crutch. And then that's sort of the starting point. Well, now we're not learning these basic skills. So we've got to have it there as a tool, but we've also got to put some guardrails around it so that students aren't relying on it too much. And then we're neglecting those basic skills. Because they've quit teaching cursive in some schools. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's like that's. Well, not really necessary. We I don't even think I, could, I don't even think Sophia could or Bennett either one could write a full sentence in cursive. They, they can write their, their name, name, right? Well, 
<laughs> yeah, that's what you call but, it. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's that's true. And calculators are another thing too. I remember we couldn't use calculators at all in yeah. some of our classes, and now it's it's encouraged in schools. And yesterday, yesterday or Monday, um, Sophia had texted me and said that she was upset with her math teacher. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why? What's going on? She goes, well, she out of the out of the blue made us put our calculators away and do the math long form you know and and math is not a strong it's not strong for me it's not she's sophia is not very strong in math either so being able to fill those gaps with the calculator was essential for her and now it's like uh i don't have those basic skills right now at the on the fly to do this and that's what's scary right falling back on things like calculators in this when put in a situation where they need to figure it out it's more difficult will take her a lot longer And I think that's a really good comparison because I would say AI is sort of the same thing where the tool is there, it's handy, it's efficient, it's going to provide you with a good starting point for a lot of different projects, sort of good feedback if you know how to use it right, but you still need to understand the basic skills. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So calculator's fine, but you should be able to do long division. You should be able to do multiplication just with a pencil and a piece of paper. Yeah. And like with the editing thing too, the concept, even though the tool's different, the concept of seeing it on a screen and seeing the waypoints is the same as like chopping up on the tape. It, so you have to want, if you just get sent it off to AI and they sent it back edited, you would have no idea how to edit. You saw the idea of doing it digitally, even though it's not on tape. But yeah. if AI did it all for mm. you, you'd have no clue how to do it. If that's and, how you learned. And given the state of AI too, I think we want to be really careful relying on it too much without really understanding how it works and without being able to be able, being able to do those things kind of behind the scenes without its help. Yeah. Interesting. And okay. Then chat GPT itself. Do we have, um, as far as the link, if people want to go check it out, I can put it in there. Yeah. I put it in there just, okay. just if people want to go check. Cause I know for a while there, you couldn't even get in because mm-hmm. everybody was like, ah, I'm going to jump in there and see what it was, but you really should familiar, familiarize yourself with it because it will be part of the conversation. If you have kids, if you have grandkids, if you just yourself, whatever you do at work, because like they're saying more and more of jobs, the radio, like radio GPT, that's, that's the person, the voice and the conversation, the script, they're all done with artificial intelligence Mm -hmm. and they can do that across the board. So that though is going to give us the opportunity to do other things. That was something that you kind of brought up too, is that, yes, this might replace the way we used to do some things, but it opens the door for us to have time to do other things, right? Right. So how do you see that like in your profession? Um, That, I mean, it can do the job of maybe some of an intern or some other. So how do you replace that? Are we still still in the process of figuring that out? I think we're in the process of figuring it out, but we have some early clues. (laughs) So I see it as being extremely disruptive, even in, say the legal profession. And what I think it'll end up doing first is replacing some of the lower level tasks. So research, it can help with some basic writing. It can help with. So like first drafts, it can sort of put that together. If it's given some guidance, Yeah, it can be a really effective tool for like brief writing. Mm -hmm. If you're giving it again, the right queries, you're looking at the answers, you're really scrutinizing it with the realization that an attorney is ultimately going to be responsible for their work product. So if ChatGPT gets it wrong, cites the wrong case, uses the wrong argument, misinforms the court, God forbid, mm-hmm. about something, and then you turn that in, just trusting it reflexively, that's really, really dangerous. You have to be really careful. That's interesting because that's kind of where the radio thing is, I think, too. Because they need, you know, as far as they're still responsible for what goes out over the air, mm-hmm. right? So even though it can do all those things, if it isn't asked correctly, it could give the wrong information. Granted, not probably life or death. 
bad traffic. Just that Taylor Swift didn't win the Grammy <laughs> when, when she really did or whatever. Yeah, it's not life or death. Right. That, probably, that would be low risk. Yeah. That would be low risk. Low risk. Yeah, very low risk. But a much higher risk is, <laughs> it, is if you have a chat GPT maybe do or type program doing, say, an interview with a job candidate. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a whole... You talked about this the first the, the time, last I, time we talked, right? Yeah. yeah, the very first time I met yeah. you, we were talking about this. Very, that's crazy. So if you, delega- this. if you delegate that to AI, okay, well, what guarantees do you have that it's following Title Seven and not discriminating against people, or mm-hmm. ADA and not discriminating against people with disabilities? Right. Unless you can really see behind the curtain and understand how it's judging people, how it's evaluating people, how it's judging people, why it's giving the feedback it's giving about people unless that's truly transparent and understandable, and it's mm-hmm. usually not, it's really dangerous to put AI in those situations. That's interesting because mm-hmm. they are using it for, we talked about this, using it for interviews in some situations and that, that was where they found a problem because some people might appear nervous and that was seen as a negative right. by the AI, mm-hmm. even though that just might be their nature. When you have cultural differences, you have gendered differences mm-hmm. and some stereotypes around that. You know, if you're a woman and you don't smile enough, does it judge you poorly? That sort of thing. You have people with disabilities who yeah. might react differently. You have people who aren't neurotypical. Mm-hmm. Right. That, could, that could be an issue. Now it's assessing them harshly. You don't smile enough. You're not friendly enough. Well, you know, they're on the autism spectrum and their yeah. responses to cues aren't going to be. Yeah, that's a good that's point. That's crazy. I didn't even make the connection between that, that first conversation. Well, how long ago was that? That was a few months ago. I think so. That we talked about that, and that was before the chat GPT even came into the conversation that they were talking about using it for interviews. And So we just need to be very yeah. careful and very thoughtful about how we use technology, and, and especially when it affects people. And, when and, you, well, and you said to, it, it frees you up to do more, which is, it's so true. It's, it's, or did we have to do different things? But I, and also I've found in our profession, it has freed me and my people that are producers, like editors and whatever, freed us up to do more. And right. it's not like overloading us, but we have, there's this a specific program that we use that I, I don't, I think it's fairly new. It's called Descript mm-hmm. and it's where it you can upload, Descript? Descript, Descript, and I it's where you upload, you upload the video of whatever or audio and it, it automatically transcribes it. And then you can do edits and a based on the transcript. Like if you're like a cut of cut, uh, wherever where Dax from Hollywood raw talks about Taylor Swift, not winning the Grammy, it'll find that 60 seconds where he does it, clip the video, make it vertical and pitch it out with in like 30 seconds. Right. Um, it, it's something that would have taken a producer, you know, a half hour, 45 minutes. So therefore it's doing that. We can work on other things. Right. You know, mm-hmm. and that's what I think. I mean, the comparison to the calculator I think is relevant again, because it's really useful for that low hanging fruit, for those really repetitive tasks that take a person just too long. Mm-hmm. And those pile up and those take a lot of your day or a lot of your week. If you can delegate that to AI, that's super helpful. It's the higher level stuff. It's the judging people stuff. It's the stuff where context matters. Right. Like where it's not it's, life it's and death. It's more dangerous. Yeah. Where yeah. it's not life and death stuff. Like if, she, if they clip right. a word off on the video, it's not going to be the end of the world. And if it saved us a half hour, that's awesome. Right. Yeah. No. So you're totally mm-hmm. right. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
Interesting. Yeah, because I'm thinking technology, how some people have reacted where technology has stepped in and taken over some things. Just checking out of a grocery store. People get like physically have a reaction to having to use self-service, right? <laughs> and there are people, and I, I might be one of them sometimes, where you literally will stand in line to have somebody do it for you because it's like those are jobs that we still need because if something's not right, you need somebody to fix it and it's hard to find somebody. And, you know, it's just all those little things. And there's me, expect. on the other hand, daddy's got to go. It's so like, I'm going to yeah. let's just get out of there. I love self-check. Well, yeah. So, I, I mean, it. I like I like self-check. I think it's a great a great thing to have. But I think that there's also something about customer service with artificial intelligence that there's a disconnect, right? Mm -hmm. So there's got to be a little happier medium to making sure that everything's working like it should um, across the board. But most of these are things are jobs that are happening in offices or uh, in school, right? So are they planning to do any classes where it's like literally teaching people how to use it or what it is? I mean, do you see that coming on the horizon? I think it should be coming on the horizon. And we've already started implementing that a little bit. We've been playing around with that in some of my classes mm -hmm. where it's, okay, let's ask it questions. Let's see what it responds. Let's evaluate yeah. the answer. Is this true? Is this biased in some way? Is it a full and complete answer? What do we think about this? And I think that's super helpful. Mm -hmm. Just in the classroom environment, sort of, it's kind of a safe space. Let's work with students on what this is good at and what it's not. Yeah, because you're all kind of finding out at the same time. Right. Right? So there's some comfort in that. And it's so fast developing, too. So like OpenAI, which developed ChatGPT, is rolling out new versions fairly frequently. And then on the horizon, you've got Microsoft and Facebook and Google and the big tech companies all have their own version they're working on, either openly right. or kind of behind the scenes. Okay. So like a typical Google search might not even be a thing in a few years because it'll be a ChatGPT type of search. Sure. Which makes sense though, because right now with Google, it's up to the person using it to um, choose the right answer. Right. Right. Google gives you 10 bazillion, you know, here's some answers for you. And this just happens to be the most popular, but maybe because of the way the algorithm was constructed that this ends up being on top, doesn't necessarily means it mean that it answers your question completely. And you have to kind of search through Whereas that's what this would do for you. Well, and I was in a meeting this week too. I thought it was interesting. And this makes total sense that if you're using Google to Google something, it will, if it's, if there's an answer where there's a Google product that is a possible, it's like mm -hmm. if you're looking for a video, it's not going to send you to whatever Vimeo, it's going to send you to YouTube. Right. And if you're asking a question that could be answered by an alphabet company, it will give you those responses mm -hmm. first before anything else. So that's not necessarily uh, the correct answer. It's yeah. just what they want you to see. One, they, yeah. And they got into tr some trouble years ago with European regulators, Google did, because if you wanted to find a different search engine, logically you would Google it. <laughs> and they realized that and then they were pushing, pushing <laughs> the other search engine links down to like page 13 or whatever on, right. on the search. Mm -hmm. Right. So if you wanted to find, you know, Bing or Yahoo or whatever, good luck. Yeah. Right. And there's, and there's some lesser knowns that are out there and it's, it's like, what? I didn't even know about that one right. because you just, it just isn't at the top. And then there's yeah. sponsored ads, right. That are also right. at the top. And for the regular user, just the average Joe, some people may not even notice that. And that, that's just where they go. Yeah. Cause it's at the top. And that's one of the things to be careful with, with a chat GPT too, is because it's a large language model, somebody has to decide what goes into that. And then because it's trained using feedback, either algorithmic feedback or more frequently lately human feedback, who's giving it the feedback? Who's evaluating these answers? Who's telling them the answer right. is right? So if I ask it, okay, who's the greatest American president? Well, mm -hmm. the answer to that is going to be dependent on who programmed it right. and who is training it and giving it feedback. 
And that's going to help determine the answer to that question. That kind of goes back to your point about bias. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Because yeah. whoever's putting it in, there is some bias. And I've seen some people messing with it where they're like asking it 2 plus 2 equals. And they say 2 plus 2 equals 4. And it says, no, 2 plus 2 equals 5. Right. Arguing with it. Right. To see what it would do. To see how it would react. And there were concessions made. Yeah. Eventually. And it was like, okay, that's weird. But what, then again, you know, it's like, well, that's kind of how people operate. Sometimes. And it's trained to sort of want to please the user. So you have people pushing it, and then it sort of leaves its guardrails and starts saying and doing weird things. Oh, God, chat GPT's a Sagittarius. Ah! <laughs> it likes to please people. It also enjoys long walks on the beach. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my it's God. It's a people pleaser. Uh-oh, yeah. That's going to be a problem. Oh. Yeah, that's, that's just fascinating, though. So, okay, so if somebody wanted to learn about it, I mean, obviously you don't go to it to learn about it. You can ask it about itself. Will it? Is it that, that might be a good pretty, starting point? Is it pretty uh, transparent about you to, know? to a degree? I would okay. say yes. <laughs> you can also read a ton about it. And one one article I wanted to mention, I think it was mm-hmm. in the New Yorker um, about a week or two ago. Um, really smart article, but basically compared ChatGPT to a basically a messy, fuzzy JPEG of the internet. Okay. So it's it's okay. very, it's very fuzzy, and you have some pixels that are recorded and some that aren't. A lot that aren't. And then if you're asking it to show you a specific part of that, it's trying to reconstruct that by guessing what the pixels would be between the ones that it has actually recorded. Right. And Interesting. by prediction, and then it's a very messy process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Very messy. So, so think about like a, a sentence from an Abraham Lincoln quote. Well, it might have the whole quote, so mm-hmm. it's going to take those two words and say, okay, well, what Makes words sense. logically would be between those two words? And then it's going to tell you that's the quote. And that's not necessarily the case. Yeah. It's probably not, right? actually. That's kind of like playing Wordle. Yeah. Well, yeah. Because you're so trying you to be, be careful. Yeah. Right. You have to, you're figuring out what your best letter combinations are, you know, when, when you're playing, you know, any kind of game predictive. Mm-hmm. But yeah, still, you got to be careful. Yeah. Very careful. <laughs> well, so like the more precise you need the answer to be, the more dangerous it is to rely on ChatGPT. That's, that's a good, that is a good point. Like if it's yeah. stuff that, that is, like you said, life altering, you know, mm-hmm. stuff that's extremely important, it's okay for right now. Just I, be sure to double check it. I think yeah. 10 years from now, though, it'll it's, be, I, I think the technology will get to the point where we won't, we can probably rely on it for more important things. Don't you think? Yeah, I do. It's mm-hmm. increasing. I mean, the, the, the technology is increasing at such a, and developing at such a rapid rate. It's crazy to watch. And we could almost be to the point where you go into a procedure center and you have a procedure performed on you without even a human doctor there. Like it's a robot. It's not necessarily an actual robot, but I know that uh, surgeons can perform procedures across the country via um, mechanical, whatever. I'm not a doctor, so I don't know what it is. I feel like we just went in the ditch. I d- just a little <laughs> no, bit. But, like, just, but don't you think no, that, that no, you, no, you're right? A yeah, lot of that can be automated. You yeah. Can, you, you could go into like a dermatologist right. or whatever and, and go in and, and get a mole taken off and there's not a dermatologist in the, at all ever, ever. Well, in think, the whole room. And think about how many people lack access to a doctor. Mm-hmm. And AI could do that. Right. It's getting better all the time. Remote medicine. Remote medicine. Will definitely advance when, from this, yeah. And I don't mean to put myself out of a job, but remote lawyering too. So, you know, if you look at the statistics, mm-hmm. there are a lot of people that can't afford a lawyer. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of counties in Nebraska where there, there is no lawyer that works there, that lives there. Right. If you could increase access to justice by using AI type tools, mm-hmm. you'd have to get the bar to approve it and... Right. That, that's a pretty high burden. They don't want to be out of jobs either, but... It would still have you, to be monitored, Yeah, obviously, yeah. but you're right. But I mean, you could you're really right. help a lot of people. 
at, at scale mm-hmm. if you were able yeah, to develop that effectively. One attorney can only see so many clients. Right. Right. And so that can just help them. Again, to free, replicate freeing you up duties. to do more. Freeing yeah. you up to do more well, stuff and, see, and yeah. have more clients. And a lot of that low hanging fruit. So, like if it's a, a divorce and it requires the proper filings of forms at the proper times and it's basically like filling in blanks and filing yeah. stuff and there's no real deep thought that's involved in it, yeah. no real creativity, it just sort of forms stuff. AI could already do that pretty effectively. So do you think this would be something that I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to make, cause you, what you said kind of sparked a thought or would it belong? Like I also offer uh, a kind of like an artificial intelligence lawyer that you can use as part of my service, or is it going to be something that's kind of like open to the public uh, free form that they can go in and use, but it would be acknowledged that this was done through this, through this, uh, what do I want to say? Bob. Via AI, you know, as if you're going to court and you have to represent yourself, that you could use AI to help you augment your case, um, or you go through attorney's office that also has the option, so you know they're kind of have their hands in it, where they're kind of monitoring it, so there'd be some responsibility uh, on that end of having yeah. a pro kind of watching, monitoring, but not actually doing all the work. And I see different options there. Yeah, where like in a pro bono case where you represent yeah. yourself, especially if you don't have a lot of money. You can use AI as a tool to kind of mm-hmm. help streamline that process for right. you, kind of guide you a little bit, fill out forms, whatnot. Which is fair. Yeah. Which is fair because yeah. you hear about a lot of people that do it and they have to they have to study up and learn how to do it themselves. Right. Yeah. Um, so why not have that offered? We just want to make sure it's doing it right mm-hmm. so that it's doing right by those people too. But then mm-hmm. for like the higher function stuff, still needs a lot of human monitoring, but can certainly be helpful. Well, a transcription site, a lot, a lot of people yeah. use is rev.com and they have the option. Yeah. You can uh, get a transcription that's fully automated and it, the guarantees that's 90% accurate, or you can pay an extra two bucks a minute to have a human being actually do it. So that's basically the same thing. Like they have the option for a human to do the whole thing and it's a hundred percent guaranteed perfect or the automation, which it's does a really good job, but it's not perfect. You still need to look through it, but still need to skim through okay. it, but it's not, it's, it's for stuff that's like yeah. not earth changing. And that's right. been around for a year. Years. Mm-hmm. And it's getting better and better. But right? Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Wow. Interesting stuff. Okay. So from this point on, what are you, what are you looking, uh, as far as in your classes, what, do you, what are you doing right now with AI itself? Are you still just kind of investigating? Really investigating, really looking at the possibilities, figuring out from an academic perspective how to deal with it in terms of students using it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's some that think it's cheating. There's some that think it's a useful tool. Um, I'm sure some of the instructors feel the same way. Philosophical discussions about that, I think. Yeah. And then also, you know, I am working with students, some of whom are going to law school, a lot of whom aren't, and they'll just be leaders of businesses someday. And then from a business perspective, from a legal perspective, how can you educate them about it, sort of train them up on the pros and cons, how to use this, how it can Mm -hmm. be a tool, how we need guardrails around it. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, we have some really fascinating conversations in class. And then a lot of the research I do with students at Creighton too about putting legal and ethical guardrails around it. Right. So bottom line, I think what I take away from what you're saying is you don't don't just cover your eyes. Right. From this um it is coming. You know, and it's um a lot of people really push back when they had like the dot in your home or you have Siri on your phone or you have you know it's listening to me and and it's like it's interesting how that's mm-hmm. become accepted. <laughs> <laughs> slow but sure is becoming accepted but this is a little bit different because this actually is going to be in the workplace right right so what would be the best thing for some what would you you tell if, just in general if somebody's never really encountered it yet and they wanted to do something more besides you know, you can get online and look at it 
I mean, how would you approach it with somebody? Absolutely play around with it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely get familiar with it. It's just the future. It's to some degree already here to another degree, certainly right. coming, right? We're all going to have to deal with it. So educate yourselves, learn about it, get familiar with it, get comfortable with it, and then figure out what it's good for and what it's not good for. So like we talked about kind of low-hanging fruit, repetitive tasks, sort of a starting point for research. It's great. Don't rely on it too much, particularly when you're making decisions about how to deal with people, decisions about people like in an HR or employment context is kind of the example we talked about. It's not ready for that. It's not designed for that. Um, you know, there was a court case, I don't know if you saw, in, I think it was South America, mm-hmm. where a judge consulted ChatGPT about the decision of the case. And the gist of the case was that there was a kid who was from a poor family and there was an issue about whether insurance should have to pay for a life-saving medicine that he needed. And the judge actually asked ChatGPT to help him decide whether mm-hmm. the insurance company should have to pay or not. And that's kind of horrifying. And there's an article about it in the last month or so that's online you can read about. But one of the reporters who wrote the article actually asked ChatGPT itself mm-hmm. if ChatGPT should be making those kinds of decisions. And it said, absolutely not. That's not what I'm designed for. That's way beyond my pay grade was the gist. And I I think that's the main takeaway is we have to realize this is still like most AI products. It's being asked by a lot of people to do things it's not designed for, it's not good at. And that's really dangerous potentially. It doesn't have intuition. No, it doesn't understand context. um, But there are some really good uses for it. It can be a really valuable tool. Interesting. Thank you for coming in today. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah. Always my pleasure. Yeah. I always love it. Yeah. Just, it's just interesting. How fast things are changing! It is, and um, and for some, how exciting it is. But then you think back when cell phones first came out, and I remember my dad had a bag phone, which was like da 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 la di da, you know, you know, having a bag phone. But he was on the road all the time. But there were so many people like having a phone in your car. That's so stupid. Nobody needs a phone. So I'd like to phone in your car. Part of me wants to go retro and get one of those brick phones. Yeah, like 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 Michael Douglas had in Wall Street. Yeah, totally. I'm I'm going to bring those back. Weighed like 12 pounds. Where did you carry that? (laughs) I mean, seriously, there wasn't a holster for it. Yeah. Um, But seriously, you know, that people didn't see a reason why people would need to have their own personal phone that they carry around. And I can't imagine not having it. And you can't imagine just having a phone in the house. Mm -hmm. It makes sense, but it just takes some time for things to evolve. And main takeaway, I guess, is be careful with technology. Don't be scared of it. There's some really cool possibilities with this. People are already kind of discovering. We'll continue to discover. And it's the future. It's coming, like it or not. So let's be careful with it. Let's put some guardrails around it. Let's think about legalities and ethical decision-making. But also be excited about what the future holds. Right. Very good. Cool. Thanks well, so much. All the links are in the description. Um, go, go play in the sandbox. Go play in the digital GPI. What, GPI? <laughs> Chat G- GPT sandbox. Uh, thanks for listening. Pat and JT Podcast. A Huda Media Production.